yeah Come and find you in the compass with a jersey girl She just tryna help you find a little peace in the world Transparency in everything she wrote And that's why she hopes you enjoy the show Hello and welcome to the Red Bra Project. We are here with episode number 70 with Laura Vaisman. We're so excited to be with you, Laura. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Before we open up our, our mic to you, so to speak, I want to say hi to my co-host, Shauna. How, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Renee? It's good to see you. It's so good to see you too. I know that we've been kind of flying solo a little bit, but it's good to be back together. And this is going to be an awesome episode. It is, and I'm rocking a cool headset tonight, just to make sure our audio is on point. <laughs> I like I, my new accessory. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm kind of, I wish I had mine. I did mine last, my last one, and I was thinking about <laughs> the best mic. <laughs> it really is, so, and I also feel like I could fly a plane right now, so that's, you know, it's versatile. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, for sure. So without any further ado, I'd love to introduce Laura to the Red Bra Project community and all of our listeners. Laura is a writer, an author. She's coming to us from freezing New Jersey right now, and we are so excited to have you. Welcome to the Red Bra Project, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Um, why don't you start off a little bit by telling us, I guess, a little bit about your story. So I'm going to go back to how, how you became a writer and an author and kind of Start us off from there. How did that interest? Uh, um, so I've always, I've always been writing, even as a young kid. But then um, I went to Europe for the first time. Like I got nominated to go on like a like an educational tour uh, to do that when I was like sixteen. No, sorry, I think I was seventeen, and I absolutely fell in love with traveling. And I was like shy in high school, so it completely opened me up and I was confident when I came home and then I you know I had so many stories when I came home so everybody was like oh you should write about it so then I started my uh my travel blog in 2008 and then it just kind of took off from there but um things obviously changed and I grew older and you know then like 12 years later of doing that, you know, I got the opportunity to talk with Gary V and then everything kind of took off from there. So it's like, took a long time to kind of be on, um, on the map a little bit, you know? Yeah. That's an impressive mentor to have, uh, kind of help steer you in a new direction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always, I've been following him for quite a bit and, uh, I always said, I just need that one conversation with him. I've always told myself that I just need one. You know? mm. He is so awesome. He just, he's real, he's authentic, and he has some of the best guidance and mentorship for sure. Yeah. Um, so was it just by chance that you happened to call in that day and they took your call or had you been trying to connect with him? I've been trying to connect with him for as long as I've <laughs> listened to him. Um, but it was right around when COVID first hit and I just got the, I just had a thought, like I was literally sitting out on my deck and I was just like thinking like, this is like the perfect opportunity to ask for things, you know, like, especially because everybody's home, like celebrities or whoever. And I was like, this is the opportunity to market yourself. So like, you know, he has this text community. So I just was like, screw it. I'm just gonna text him 
And I was so shocked, like a, a few hours later, I got a text back from one of his team members saying, you're going to be on the show. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> um, so it was really, really cool. Um, it was, yeah, it was like one of my favorite moments. I can imagine. <laughs> That's like, you know, they always say you shouldn't meet your celebrity, but you know, I, I disagree. I think that when you have those opportunities, you should grab a hold. And yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And I just really like his like Jersey bravado. Cause like I'm that same way, but just as a girl, you know, so it's like, it's, it's he, we connected immediately like on that. So like I needed that like Jersey, like kick in the ass that he usually gives. And so we spoke the same language in that sense. Bless you, Shauna. Thank you. I'm <laughs> muted. <laughs> I was like, no one needs that in their ear. <laughs> oh, God. oh uh, my God. That's so cool that you guys had such an awesome connection. So with, so first of all, blogging in 2008 was at the beginning when blogging yeah. was first starting. So, I mean, yeah. have we known, you know, if you knew what you knew now then and all of that, but were you consistent the whole way through blogging? I was in the beginning and then I started noticing a shift in blogging and then I just didn't understand what was going on at the time. Like, I guess I just didn't have the education. I just didn't understand why things were not picking up like they used to. And then I made the mistake of changing my blog and my whole brand to my name, like just lauraweisman.com and I lost everything. Like I lost my following like I lost everything. So it was, it was just like a shitty, it was like a shitty timing of changing my brand name and then having to start from zero and then trying to gain back what I used to have. But, you know, Gary V gave me that nice boost. <laughs> it's I've been working so hard for, but uh, it just, it just got difficult. It just was like, I didn't want to monetize like how other travel bloggers were doing it at the time. I just didn't want to make courses on like how to be a writer or like how to travel, but like that shit's not for me. <laughs> so I was like, I guess I'm just not going to, so, so I just lost the consistency of it. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. Go, okay, go ahead, Shana. <laughs> oh, no, I was just curious. Um, so Gary V's kind of guided you, I guess, prior to even the talk then, right? Or was mm -hmm. this shift in your website more recent than I realize? Um, the shift in the website was a long time ago. Okay, I think, okay. Um, the, way before I even knew who Gary V was. Yeah, okay. I think within the last four or five years, I, I caught on to Gary V. Got it. So... So I guess right now with this time, how has that been for you as somebody that has been a traveler and maybe your direction was already changing, but now you can't travel. I know. I know it sucks because I don't like, I'm not in my early twenties anymore where I didn't have many responsibilities. And I had like, you know, the luxury of like living at home at the time, but I was working. So it was easy for me to just hop on a plane and like gallivant, you know, and now it's like, I'm 30. I'm like now I'm married. I have like you know, actual responsibilities and like stuff. So it's harder to just be like, book a ticket and be out of there. You know what I mean? But um, I, I did travel like once or twice a year. So it, it has, it sucks to not like to be forced to not travel, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's difficult. I mean, like my dad, like all my family lives all over the country. So it sucks to not like see my dad who's in Texas and it's just like, 
I haven't seen him in like over a year. So. Yeah, it's super tough. And there's only so much. I mean, there's only so many Zooms and FaceTime and every other. I know video they calls. get. I know they get like they get boring, or it's like <laughs> it's old. You know, it's like how many? How long can we all sit on a screen? You know, I know. I'm like, can I move my legs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you just want to give them a hug. You know, yeah. you just. I can't wait till we all can do that again. So. I know. Yeah, we definitely feel you in that aspect. I guess on the other side, though, with so much downtime and not being able to travel and things, I guess it's opened up more time for you creatively to mm -hmm. write. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was working like a regular job at the time and I lost my job right as COVID hit. And then um, I actually got married right as COVID hit, too, because I was like, the time I didn't have health insurance, I was like, ah, oh. I was like, let's not go into a pandemic with no health insurance. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't sound fun. So we kind of did it out of necessity, but it was, it was just such an insane, insane time. But, you know, like I had penny panic, like for a while and I like kind of took a lot of time off and, and then like, I don't know. I just really thought I was get I was being given a second shot. Honestly, like that. I was like, here's my other second shot to like get bump this book out and like get it out there so it didn't take me much longer to write to finish it and get it out so it was already started but you just had to kind of find that momentum to finish it yeah yeah awesome tell us a little bit more about your book um it's your second book isn't it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so the first, well, the first one is, is like more of like about my travels and it's kind of like I compiled all of my travel blog posts and just elaborated a lot more with the details. And then, and then along with that is my own personal journey with anxiety. So it's more kind of like a memoir ish, but it's like more personal for me. And then, um, Penny Panic is one that I came up with because my stepdaughter, I have a stepdaughter, so she was struggling with anxiety at the time. And, you know, I was hearing stories from like her friends and I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, you guys are going through so much shit. And I was like, you guys are mad young to be like dealing with that. Like, I, but I also remember when I was her age and younger, like my peers in school were going through really heavy stuff that like, if you were a parent, you, you wouldn't believe what I would, what I knew. So I was like, there has to be something for kids. So like, I kind of did some research on it where I was like, let's see what some of these kid books are out there. And it was like, what I found was, um, I thought these books were too clinical. That I thought that um, a lot of them had such a negative connotation to it. Like it was like, uh, oh, like there's a monster inside of me or like, you know, something bad. And I was like, that's not good to like tell a kid like your anxiety's bad or there's something inside of you that's external that's bad. And so I was like, I'm gonna write my own thing but I think it needs to resonate with them first and have like hidden messages of those clinical things in it where they can still learn but like they get the book because it's like, they're like, oh yeah, my friend's been through that. Or like, I've heard that story before, you know? So that's kind of how I wanted to write it. 
Well, I will tell you, I read the synopsis and I was like, my 11 year old needs this because she's just a walking ball of anxiety. Um, yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's a lot of that. And it, I like that you you have relevancy in it, like that it is Snapchat because it's the social media that we didn't have as kids that mm-hmm. um, really is playing into. So I think you, I think it's a perfect opportunity for what young girls really are experiencing. Yeah, because I mean, I didn't have social media like they do now, but I mean, the social media that we had at the time was like, you know, like instant messenger. And then like we had MySpace, but like instant messenger was no joke. Like the, the shit that would come through that, like, like after school hours was a lot. I mean, thank God we didn't have smartphones at the time. But um, I mean, Renee and I had note passing. That's the yeah, yeah. We had that. <laughs> that too. was our texting. Yeah, yeah. We had that too. But like, it just does, you know, I think it's just amplified like after school hours, you know, I mean, I think we've always kind of had that, like, I don't know, like we've always had something, but it's not, it wasn't as amplified, I guess. Like it's mm-hmm. somewhat turned off when we all went home from school. Yeah. But That's like, what I was going to say. It's like you had a time to reset. You could unplug yeah. literally from social peer pressure, especially when you are an adolescent um, and a female adolescent. I just feel like there's a lot of sensitivity and everything. I mean, boys and girls. I mean, it's such an impressionable age. Um, and I think that's so cool how you did your research and kind of figured out what wasn't being offered or delivered in these books. Yeah. I mean, and I also like, I bought them like, cause I wanted to read them and I was like, I want to see what they're saying. And like, I even bought ones that were supposed to be for younger kids, like probably like, I don't know, maybe kindergarten. And it was another one that I was like, this is the most depressing book I've ever read. Like, oh my God. I'm like, don't read this to your kid. Like, and it was like, it was about like some, like, I don't want to name it because whatever, but like the animal that was in it, right. Looked so depressed that I was like this poor thing. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, I wouldn't even, I would never say the word anxiety to a five-year-old. Let them be kids. Mm -hmm. Like, like work out their emotions but I mean that's a whole different ball game with versus teenagers but like I wouldn't even introduce anxiety to a young kid like that to make them that's just crazy to me no I agree yeah I think sometimes we label it too soon for them yeah um and obviously there are some young kids that are are experiencing that but sometimes they're just also adjusting to the the new sceneries that they're involved in right yeah Oh, yeah. No, I can't. I honestly, I read your synopsis. I was like, and I'm buying this book. (laughs) I have the perfect reader for this, but I'm going to read it myself too. Cause I think that's an important thing too, for other parents is like you said, you went and you read all these books. I think the more that parents can educate themselves too, on what their child's reading. Yeah. And I think, um, cause I initially, it was like, this is for teens. This is for teens. And then like, I had a lot of adults coming to me being like, well, can I read it? I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, anybody could, you know, but like the story itself is, is a teen story so they can understand, but I'm like, we've all been through school. I mean, we just, you can resonate, you know what I mean? But like the coping skills that are in it, anybody can learn, like it's for everyone. So it would be cool, like as a parent to read the book too. And then you both can work on the coping skills together and kind of do it as like a team thing. Mm. 
so cool. I feel like it's so needed too. I think it's just one of those tools that that should be in the library for sure. The home library. That's awesome. Um, with your personal experience with anxiety and panic attacks and things like that, what did you find? Where, how did you learn yourself to cope with what you were feeling and even to identify those feelings? Kind of what worked for you? Um, I mean, a lot of things didn't, I mean, I went through a period where I felt like nothing was working. You know what I mean? And you, um, you kind of have to go through some of that to really get to the other side a little bit. Um, I realized that the more I fought it, the worse it got. And I started reading books. There was like, I don't know which book it was. I think I have a, I think I can Google the title, but it was some Buddhist book of like how, of just like how, more about like mindfulness and like your thought process with that. Cause there was a point where I was like, I didn't leave my house for like a month. And um, I was like, this is just not good. Like my, but I also was like, now that I think back to it, I was like, my anxiety was so bad you know, I went through such a traumatic event. Then I was starting college. Like I was in my college years also. So college in general was, is stressful and I was commuting. So I was also living in Jersey and commuting to the to New York city every day. So the stress of that, plus what was going on at home, I couldn't take it. So, you know, for me, therapy really worked and just I don't know like it, it's hard to explain because it's like when you're in it it really sucks to hear like it's a practice and it gets better and it's temporary because you don't want to hear that mm-hmm. when you're in it you just want it to stop but you kind of have to go through it and kind of have to understand where it's coming from you know I think it's such a beautiful thing that you now want to help others with it. And I think that's probably therapeutic for you too. I think writing the book, probably just recognizing your own coping skills as you put it into Penny's character was probably helpful for you as you're helping others. Yeah. And plus like I have, um, I worked in mental health for a bit and um, just my experience with that and seeing it on a professional level I wanted to almost, I wanted to help out even more. So like I had like really bad anxiety when I was younger from a traumatic event. And then honestly, semi-recently in 2018, 2017, when I was working in mental health, I was at a complete mental breakdown for like a year and a half. Could not take the job anymore. It was too stressful. We were losing people. So we were just like burnt out. And when you're trying to help, like, cause I don't think, I think you're supposed to have, I mean, I forget what the caseload is supposed to be, but like I had 55 people for one person for me. Wow. And so it was a lot. And I wasn't just dealing with like, I was dealing with like the most severe cases. So, and I was going out into the community and then staying in the office. And it was just like, I was like in car, in my car, like at appointments, having panic attacks, trying to like psych myself up to be like, you fucking got this, like get in there and help this person. And then you can leave. Like, that's why, like when I have that chapter 
in Penny Panic where I say, uh, it's like um, minute by minute, hour by hour, because it literally sometimes is down to that, where like, I used to be in college, and I'd be like, so panicky and anxiety ridden. And I'd be like, all right, well, this class is only an hour and 15. I got it. And then like, it would get to 30 minutes in. I'm like, okay, I only have like a few more minutes. to. I have a few more minutes to go. Or it's like, all right, I have 10 more minutes left. I can do it. I can do it. And you have to, it's like, I broke it down to that small of increments to like get through it. And then by the end of it, I was like, okay, well, I did it today. I can do it again tomorrow. You know, it just, it's, it takes, it takes practice and time. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm listening to you. It's so funny. Um, the correlation that I, that I'm seeing in my own life right now, like I literally tonight with my daughter, I was like, you have nine and a half days left. No, I was like, you have eight and a half days left. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like counting the days with her because, you know, it's just this heavy burden that she carries. And even when she got home, I was like one day down. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. and that sounds like you counting the minutes as you sit there. And so, yeah, I think we don't realize how much our minds are going and that when you're in it, like you said, there's nobody that can really pull you out because you're not hearing what's out there. You're hearing what is generating in your brain. (laughs) Yeah. And I would, I would have to say, cause now that I'm like out of that chaos and I'm like more clear minded, cause it took me a while to get back to myself. Like I would say it took me a solid eight, nine months after I left. Cause I left in 2018 towards the end of it that was probably worse than the trauma I went through with my brother. It was really bad. Like, and I don't think people like, I think like my husband knew, but like nobody truly knew how bad it was on the inside. You know what I mean? And I was like, it was just really, really tough. So like when I, like, that's why like these books are so important to me. Cause like, I get it so much. Like I get it. And it sucks to be there. It's you feel like you can't climb out. Like you, and I had to remind myself like so many times where I was like, this is like, you've been here before. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, you've done this before. Like, I think I was like really hard on myself because like, I, I go to therapy still and she's been with me for so long. And, you know, I was like, I don't know what that was. Like, why don't, and she was like, it was just anxiety, Laura. She was like, it was really bad for you. And I was like, that was it? That just anxiety, that's it? I was like, I felt like I was losing my mind. She was like, yeah, she's like, it was bad. And uh, she was like, I think maybe you were harder on yourself this time around because you have been through it before and you, maybe you felt like you failed that you're back in it plus I have like the professional experience I couldn't get myself out so I think like it was a matter of like forgiving myself you know what I mean for sure especially with your professional background like you said I mean you can definitely fall in the trap of I I I should have been able to get myself out but you can't sometimes the mind is protecting itself and you know you just have like you said you have to get through to the other side and it just sucks Yeah. But like, I don't, I don't know if I'm at the point yet where I'm like, um, grateful for that experience. Like I'm not there yet a hundred percent, but I am to some degree because I'm like, it pushed me out. It told me, you know what, this field is not 
for you anymore. You are still like, I'm still, I still have that desire to help people, but maybe it's not in that way. Right. Like <laughs> my boss, I'm so lucky. My boss was super cool. Cause I would tell her, I'd be like, and this was when I was writing spiritual nomad that I was like, I'm not working today. I'm going to be writing my book today. So don't talk to me. <laughs> Um, I have a friend who does research on vicarious trauma and it's really, you know, it's for those caretakers who are hearing these stories. Oh, it's brutal. And, and, and kind of taking on that trauma. And I feel like that's really what you were going through is your 55 cases and you're hearing these really huge emotional, and then where do you process that? So, I mean, to me, it makes complete sense. And, you know, you were feeling stuck, like, why can't I get out of this? But you weren't just managing your own trauma. <laughs> yeah, they I think they have burnout and I think the other word uh is compassion fatigue mm-hmm. and that's really what it was. You just felt completely depleted. Mm. I think that and I mean you are very strong mentally and then just the way you share your story and, and you share vulnerably and just wholeheartedly. It's just so genuine and I think that is that's something everybody needs more of in their life. And I think one of the cool things is that, you know, you mentioned that you're not going to hear yourself say, I have an anxiety disorder, or you're not going to label yourself in that way. And I think that's, you know, Shauna brought it up at the beginning that sometimes we put labels too way too early on things. And I, I agree with that, but what is your, share your thoughts behind that. Um, yeah, I have a very strong, like, view on that because like um I think I wrote a post about it the other day that um we tend to like and again like personally I've been on that side and then the other side is the professional side where I've had my own clients tell me how they feel with that label yeah and I personally have felt that too with the like the mental health field where it's like they immediately put a label on And then they start looking at you different. They start like, there's like a thing. It's like once you're labeled crazy or disordered, they treat you like you're crazy. And then when you start questioning, they're like, well, you're resisting or are you symptomatic today? What's Mm -hmm. going? And then they start, it's like a spiral that like you can't jump out of. So I, I don't even know if I was ever officially diagnosed with anxiety, but like, I refuse to say that I have an anxiety disorder, never have. And I don't think I ever will. Cause I now believe that yes, do I have it at times, but it's very situational now, but I believe it's a gift. I truly do. Like I'm able to pick up on things because I just am very in tune with myself. And I think The anxiety is like, like I've explained to people, I'm like, it's almost, it's an evolutionary tool. We've needed it as humans back in caveman days to survive. And I think over time, those who have that skill, it's almost like we still have that skill, but it's heightened now because we're in modern times. So it's just, we're overstimulated because we can feel more. So when you're sensitive like that, I feel like you have to really practice and you have to really be disciplined to handle that. But, and, but realize it's a gift. Once you, once you're able to figure it out, you're golden. 
And that's not to say that I don't have my moments because I do. But I think once it's seen like that, then you're like, oh, okay. This is not a bad thing. That's such an awesome perspective. Oh. I'm going to pivot us a little because I'm so curious about your travel. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk to us maybe about uh, one of your favorite destinations that you went? Um, well, Switzerland will always have my heart. I fell in love with it when I was 18. No, actually 17. And then I went back the following summer at 18. And then six years later, I moved there. Um, it's an absolutely beautiful country it's literally like living inside of a postcard. It's so gorgeous. Like you've never seen the cleanliness, the mountains, the Swiss Alps. It's so pretty. Um, and I just like, I fell in love with like a town there called um, Interlaken. And I'm still in touch with the people today who I've met when I was 18. So it's cool that like me and my cousin at the time, we just could not leave for some reason. We just like, really love the vibe and that was back in 2008 so like travel blogging was huge like traveling was huge and I don't know like I that it's just a moment in time that's now lost because when I tried to like go back six years later it was not the same it was almost like sad because I was like I can't recreate that vibe yeah you know Oh, yeah, there's so many times I want to go back or I'm, I'm thinking about, I've traveled a lot as well, but I'm thinking about, oh, got to go back there. It'd be great to do this. And I am reminded by my significant other, no, I think you should cherish what, what, what we had or what you had there, because if it's not exactly like it, it's just going to be different, you know, and that's not to say you can't go back and have different memories, but it's just, you know, some of those super special times, I think that you just have to take them and hold them for what they are. Yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, cause when I went back there and I remember I was like writing actually in my travel journal, uh, that eventually created the spiritual nomad book. I, a guy who I used to work, um, who I knew from then, uh, was there and he came and he, he was just like, Oh, how does it feel to be back? And I was like, it's just weird. I was like, it's not like 2008. I was like, and he's like, you know what? He's like, um, that was a really good summer. He's like, that was, he's like, I don't think that'll ever happen again. And I was like, well, I'm hope because I, I was just like, maybe I had some expectation because I was like, well, I was there at the time. I know what this place could be. Um, maybe I can bring it back, um, which I kind of did because when I arrived, nothing was open. Like they had a bunch of outdoor bars in the back and like the hostel was shut. And like, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, you guys should, like, what is this? And, like, so eventually it did come back after I kind of left and things were starting to open again. But it's just, you're just never going to get that same moment. Yeah, totally get it. Um, so I'm curious. I'm going to take us another right turn. We're just right turning, left turning all <laughs> over. But I'm going to, I was so interested because I like how you say I didn't want to do things a certain style, what everyone else was saying you know, do this, do that. You wanted to do it your way. And I was curious about what made you switch from your travel blog and, and your name to your, your name as your brand. Um, was that because you were listening to others? Yes. 100%. Yeah. And then 
I, it, it was very short lived. And then, you know, cause I was granted, I was young and I went to, I went to one seminar like out in California that was for anxiety. And, you know, at the time I needed it. And the guy who like was running it, like, um, was almost at the point of suicide with his anxiety. And he like cured it in like three or four months, but he had this technique, which was really good, which actually really helped me. It was honestly just kind of like this, like mindfulness meditation technique that you can pretty much do anywhere. Um, and then I was opened to like this whole spiritual world of like, you know, spiritual, like woo woo people. And like, they were cool, but like, and I needed it at the time, but like now that I look back, a lot of them were full of shit. And so I got pushed kind of into this, like, you should do life coaching and all this bullshit. It's not me. I still sometimes get messages where people are like, you should do it. And I'm like, I just don't feel it's ethical, but that's just me. And I'm like, I like helping people write with writing or through my writing. I don't, cause I just, I think because I come from like a mental health background that like, I feel like that's a therapist's job. So, um, but yeah, sorry, I lost your question. No, you got it. You nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I think that, um, I respect that a lot that you, that that's not what you're feeling. So even though people think you give good advice and that you do have that background, like you just, you're going to do what feels right to you. And I, I think that that's, that's very commendable. Cause I think a lot of people will be like, well, I guess if I could mark it off of this, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I probably could do it and I probably could make money from it, but it wouldn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. Cause every time like where I feel like I get an idea and I'm like, let me just see about it. And it never feels right. Cause I just feel like I'm conning people. Like, I just don't want to pawn off. Like, I don't want to I don't want to make money off of somebody else's happiness. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, cause a lot of those people and I've gotten, I've gotten like really big life coaches who are doing extremely well, who would come to me trying to get me to do their services. And it was always at very opportune times cause they were watching my social media and being like, Oh, how are you doing? And it was just snowball. Like now I know the pitches so well. So now I'm able to pinpoint it, but mm. not, to, I mean, I'm sure there's really good ones out there who do amazing work, but I would say a majority are fucking bullshit. And I don't think it's right. Some of it, but that's me. And I think like, I don't know. I just like to help people the way I do it. And I just want people to buy my books and just kind of get help in that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always, I've always been like that where I've always hated following the norm. I've hated it as a kid. Teachers would tell me to do certain things. I even like in the job force bosses, I hate it. I'm so (laughs) resistant to like, cause I just beat to my own drum. Yeah. So it's hard to tell me like what to do if I, like, if I'm feeling it and I like really enjoy it. Yes. But like stuff where I'm like, no, that's not me. But you know, that's the thing is you trust yourself. You can hear it in the way you talk about it, mm-hmm. which is awesome. You trust your instinct. You trust yeah. your gut. Um, you know, and you even said, you know, you're very instinctive, but um, 
the other thing that you shared with us was, I mean, and we do like a appreciate a little chat questionnaire thing, but I loved it because one of the best pieces of advice that you've given or received, but you also follow is as soon as you're done trying to make other people happy or do what's going to make other people happy and not care, like as soon as you let it go, that's your true path to happiness and joy, um, which sounds intimidating to some people. That can be hard. I mean, is that something that you've always done inside or is that something you've learned? Um, I mean, I always feel like, I feel like, listen, like I've always said, like, I'm, I'm find myself more of like a guide. Like I'm not, I'm not some guru. I don't have all the answers. I'm only just sharing what I've done personally, what I've done in therapy, what I know from my professional experience and you take what you take and the rest is up to you. And I've said that even in professional, in the professional world that I was in, because I've had clients who really wanted me to handhold them. And I'm like, listen, I can't do that for you right now. I can, because you're my client and I can work with you, but I'm cause they would be like, you're too tough love. I'm like, no, but I'm trying to prepare you for whenever I leave or whenever, like, let's say we switch case managers and we don't work anymore. It's the same thing with that. I'm like, you have to be able to hold your own on your own, you know? And like, I think a lot of people just want all the answers and want it all laid out. Like, and I'm like, that's not, you're not going to appreciate the journey if it's all completely laid out for you like that. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to really do the work. I know. And isn't that tough to hear though on the other side? <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to hear that. No. It's funny. I, I was listening to a podcast and they were like, therapy didn't work for me because they wouldn't tell me what to do. And I was like, I don't think they're supposed to. I think they're, they're supposed to help you figure it out. <laughs> but there's so many people out there that are like, just tell me what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Like my, yeah. I mean, my, my own therapist, she doesn't really tell me what to do. She, she guides you. <laughs> she, she, yeah. She guides me and I wind up having my own aha moments as I'm talking to her. You know, because you explain it differently to somebody, to a stranger versus like your friend. Right. So different things click. Well, so I think we, we want that person or to tell us what to do. So the accountability is off of us. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, I listened to Renee and she was the one that told me to do that. Or, mm -hmm. um, and it makes it easier when we stumble through that. Um, so like in thinking in that chart, how have you pushed through like fear and how have you made yourself accountable when you have taken these big risks um you you do it scared as fuck pretty much <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the quote of the week <laughs> can you do it like um I'll never forget the moment where you know because I've always you know so I always wanted to live in Europe and like when I was 18 and I was at that same hostel that I fell in love with I said I want to work here and he was like well okay you can get your European passport and you can come back. And I think he didn't realize, like, I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Like, I'll figure it out. So I like researched the hell out of it because I knew my family was from Italy and I found like some type of loophole, like where you can do it through your bloodline. And I researched the hell out of it. It took me six years 
to become one, but I didn't give up on it. And then that's why in like six years later, I was like, all right, so I'm here. Like, and he's like, all right, cool. You got a job. So, but it's that moment where I was like on the, like, I was at the security and my dad was dropping me off and I like immediately start crying. He's like, what's your, what's like, oh, what's happening? And I'm like, I'm scared. Like, what if this doesn't work? Cause I was, I booked a one-way ticket. So he's like, but this is what you've always wanted. This is what you worked six years for. I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't know. It was just like a weird surreal moment where I was like, this is it. Like I went there, no, no plan, no job, no place to live pure faith pretty much that I was like I'm gonna make this work uh I have some friends that I like sort of know and connections and I was like they're gonna remember me at this hostel they're gonna remember so like it was just like a total gamble but it I wound up like like I had a good friend of mine who was like a singer who I was helping like with his like uh, songwriting because I was helping translation for English, like his like um, English writing skills. And I didn't know him, like we never met, but like he was like, you, you want to stay with me? So like, it was just funny that like, I didn't have a plan, but like my first place where I stayed was in a mansion. So I was like, oh, I'm not doing too bad for someone who doesn't, right. have, a plan, who doesn't have a plan. <laughs> and then like, you know, then like I had like a place to stay for like a week or so before I found a job and I went there and like the guy remembered me and I just like within a within I would say like within two weeks I had a place to live and a job. So Wow. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, I mean just, you can't you can't um I mean that's setting the bar at a very good level if you're staying at a mansion your first <laughs> right the mansion. <laughs> <laughs> But listen, I'm very humble. I was living in a shack also. Uh, the, oh, no, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a nice, like, oh, okay, you, you got this. Like, you can do it. But, like, no, there was moments where I was struggling out there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, I want to go live in a mansion. Maybe I need to take some risks in life. <laughs> oh. Laura, I mean, it's been so awesome talking to you. I mean, there's just so many different layers to your story. And I think, you know, your story is coming at a perfect time for our viewers, because I, I think this year has created new anxieties in people that they never had before. And so you being able to say, I, I'm not labeling myself this way. It's just, I'm going through this now. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll help somebody who's never felt it before. And it has felt it in 2020. Yeah. I mean, 2020 has really, I think, thrown everybody for a loop. And, you know, um, my own therapist said it to me. She said, she's like, if you have anxiety, she's like, it's heightened. And she's like, if you didn't have it before, you have it now. So everybody's feeling everything very intensely during this time. And I think this is the time, like people, I know some people are, have been quarantining this whole time and like lockdowns and all this stuff. And like, this is the time to do that inner work. You have nothing but time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and it's, it sucks to be stuck inside all the time, but you know. hundred percent. It's funny because they always say, you know, you have to have self-love because one day you might be stuck with just yourself and then <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> here you are. It's time to come to yeah. 
I'm yep. nervous with that. <laughs> you better find out if you like yourself. Right, or not. exactly. <laughs> You're not going to have a choice, I guess. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, tell all of our listeners where they can connect with you, where they can find your book, um, all of the good stuff. Um, so you can follow, I'm pretty much everywhere. So you can follow me on like Instagram, Twitter, which is Travel Jersey Girl. It's J E R Z. Um, and then I'm on Facebook, Traveling Jersey Girl, that's spelled out normally. And then uh, for my books, you can purchase them on Amazon. They're available on Kindle and paperback. But if you want it autographed, which I've, I did for my first book, but I like that I, uh, I'm also offering that, like if you're buying it for your child, I can autograph it for them. So it feels more personal for them. Um, so you can buy that on my website. Okay. Awesome. Very, very cool. So we ask all of our guests. So we ask one of our kind of signature questions is we love to know what your red bra moment is. And the way we describe it is you can have so many red bra moments. So it's just that moment that you look back on and you're like, wow, I really kind of dug deep. I rose up, I got out. And I mean, we, there's big red bra moments or small ones, everything in between. But when you think about a red bra moment, when you look back and you're just like, man, I kicked ass. And I wouldn't let myself say no. And I just showed up um, and you did it. You did it for yourself. What moment comes to mind? Um, just the most, uh, whatever just popped in my head was just actually just leaving the mental, like my job, like when I left my mental health job and I got to a point where, um, cause you know, I didn't have anything lined up and I just was like, um, I told my boss, uh, it's either, it's a matter of like my health, you know, and I didn't have a job lined up and I, um, I just, I, it felt good to just really be like, listen, I'm done. Like, I, I don't care that I was getting paid well. I don't care that I had great benefits. Like, I just didn't care. I was like, I have to look out for myself. This is just not healthy. And I think, that really showed me that I'm never going to put myself in that situation again, ever. Cause nothing is worth your health like that ever. Yes. So that was a huge thing. And I think that almost like amplified my, um, my wanting to make this, my books, a success and be like, you know what, I'm going to try my effing hardest to make this possible because uh, I just don't want to go back to working for somebody else. And I just really, truly enjoy like this whole, like, you know, this entrepreneurial thing that's always been in me and just helping people in this way. So. Awesome. I love it. That's so good. You put yourself first, even when it was yeah. really, really tough. Yeah. Awesome red brown moment, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Laura, it's just been awesome talking to you. You're so real. You're so authentic. And, you know, we're just so grateful to have met you and that um, you were able to join us. We're sure that people are going to connect with your story and start following you and um, take on that attitude of, I'm going to do it my way and not listen to mm -hmm. everybody else. Mm -hmm. 
But we end every show with a quote and the one that we found for you, we think is so fitting just based on you staring fear in the face and, and telling it, you know, to F off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that quote is, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. And it's by John Kabat-Zinn. And I just, when I read that, I'm like, that's it. That's her. Yeah. She is perfectly riding those waves um and learning how to surf through everything that's been thrown at you and yeah, so I love that ah well we love you we're so glad you <laughs> we met you this was amazing again I'm gonna buy the book I guess I'm getting it from your website because <laughs> she'll love that yeah. she has a connection to the author in some mm -hmm. way so but thank you so much and to all of our followers um we will link everything all of the ways that you can connect with laura on our page which is um at the red bra project at instagram uh you can follow us at theredbraproject.com um and yeah we just hope that you like and subscribe and ring that bell so you get our <laughs> post notifications here mm -hmm. and uh thank you so much laura we thank look so forward much. to sharing your story and we hope everyone has a great night thanks for tuning in <laughs> Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.